Hello, welcome back to Zenith Podcast. I'm your host, Cesar Davila, and this is a very special, very, very special episode. I'm here with a new guest, Garrick Garcia. He has a, he has a master's in psychology, and he's actually, uh, he actually is um, focusing on, sexu- on sexuality, biopsychology, and social psychology. So I first met him. He was my professor back in 2017 at Modesto Junior College. He taught human sexualities, and that class, till this day, it's been already six years, it left an impression on me, and I hope it leaves an impression with you guys with what we talk about today. Welcome, Garrick. How's it going? Thank you. Thank you for being here. It's been it's been a while that we we've talked about this, and I'm finally glad we can finally sit down and talk. Yeah, it's been a long time coming, man. So I'm I'm glad to be on it. Yeah, a little heads up. Um, if there is some weird, funky like audio, it's because we're both recording on Zoom. So let's see how this goes. Hopefully, it's still good for the listeners. And uh, with that being said, what made you get into psychology? Oh man, oh, that's such a big question. Um, <laughs> you know, you know, I would say for most people, psychology kind of is the default for a lot of people going to college, and I really was no different. Uh, you know, when I got into psychology, it was kind of because it just seemed interesting. I took an intro to psych class, like most people, it was a fun class, so I thought to kind of stick around. Uh, but I kind of it was always second place, unfortunately. <laughs> Psychology was always something that I, I felt like I was going to fall back on. Um, and it wasn't until I tried a bunch of other things out that I realized uh, psychology was kind of like, it's kind of like the, 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 the love that was always there, you know, <laughs> um, where, you know, I tried out a bunch of other majors and it just really didn't, it really didn't fit. And I kept thinking about everything from a psychological perspective. I always thought about how it went back to, how went back to how we think, how we behave, how we interact with one another. Uh, and psychology just kind of, it always stuck around with me. You know, it never, it never seemed to, I never seemed to lose interest in it. So, uh, you know, I, just like most people, I, I went to junior college. I went to, uh, I, I went to a lot of psychology classes there. Um, and psychology just kind of, uh, it always stuck with me. Uh, so weirdly, psycho- I feel like psychology chose me, you know, the, the psychology life chose me. I didn't choose the psychology life. Uh, but yeah, so I would say it's, it's something that, you know, I, I feel that like I had an inescapable interest in, uh, and, you know, I think for, for a lot of people, psychology may be default, uh, but once it chooses you, that's where it becomes a whole different game, you know? Yeah. I mean, like the word default, uh, I could, I could see that as a sense since psychology, understanding psychology is kind of understanding like the human experience and like why, what motivates us, you know? And what oh yeah. Drives us. So like understanding that allows us to understand life a little bit more, especially like with this chaos that we're under. You oh, know? For, sure. for sure. And, you know, and that, you know like, it's, like it's, everybody is a person, <laughs> right? So they yeah. all have their own brains and minds. So that they kind of already know a lot about psychology before they really realize. And so they kind of feel like, oh, well, I'm, I'm already doing that. So I don't have to really study too hard because I just have to live my life and I'm it. But there's, there's definitely a lot more to it. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I mean, definitely because it's such a huge field that you ended up, you know, like, like, um, ended up just emphasizing and getting into the sexuality, biopsychology, and social psychology. How did you get into those fields? Oh, yeah, that's also, that, that was kind of a weird journey, but 
you know, I felt that, uh, you know, biology is always my favorite, like a favorite science of mine. Uh, I've always, I would say done pretty well in it. Um, and whenever I, I, I talk about psychology, I just, I never really was a big fan of, of not having like a physical like basis for things. And it, it always felt like whenever I gave explanations in psychology without a physical basis, um, without presenting physical evidence, it just kind of seemed like I'm confirming everybody's weird suspicions about psychology, that it's not a real science, right? Uh, even though we do all the things that any other science does, uh, because, you know, explanations kind of go beyond the physical sometimes, um, you know, people really lose sight of where that is in the brain, right? What does it mean in the actual physical stuff that is the mind? Uh, and that's, that's kind of where I, I come from. So whenever, you know, I explain anything in psychology, I like to go back to talk about the brain and the physical stuff that we are, right? Because that's where people find where the, the true reality is, is whether or not you can hold it, right? You can't hold your thoughts, but you can hold the brain. Uh, and that's why biology, biopsych kind of became uh, a cornerstone for me, because it was always something that I felt like people really needed to hear in order to really um, understand where you're coming from in psych, to really understand that it is a scientific endeavor uh, that has a physical basis. Um, social stuff is just, I don't know, that's just fun. Um, you know, but when you're, when they do the explaining in psychology, of course, within the mind is great. Cognitive stuff, that's fun. Uh, but how we interact with one another is so, is so varied uh, and has, has such, uh, it has such expl explanatory power uh, when it comes to talking about, you know, what kinds of interactions we have and what kinds of things that it makes. Uh, it's just, it's just, there's so much variation there. Um, you know, it's, for me, it's kind of like a, a never-ending frontier like there's always going to be something to discover there's always going to be new interactions to be had uh new mixtures new, new different kinds of ways of interacting uh it just there's always something new you know uh you mentioned kind of like the times right now the pandemic like i mean this is something we've never had a pandemic even like this in this setting right yeah so this is a completely novel situation that everybody is in and it's so crazy because you have so many differences and new interactions, but we're all kind of doing them together, right? So it's it's such a crazy time. And honestly, like if there's ever if there's never a better time to get into social psych and get into how we interact, the pandemic definitely uh, is the is a time to see where those differences lie. Yeah, that's what's like. What's what's a trip is um you know this experience that we're going through right now with the pandemic and. The lockdown and having to quarantine in a world where like everything is connected by not even being in person you know by through online through social media through the internet and just kind of seeing how everything like especially now seems like one big giant like experiment you know seeing how we as humans are able to manage this especially put in a position where we're so used to having everything especially with these with these younger generations like we're so used to having everything accessible that once we're told that we're not allowed to like go out we're not allowed we're not allowed to do this do that like it becomes a like a question of our identity you know like who are we like what are we even like what can we do what should we do because a lot of people are like really stuck between like, the, like sadly whether or not whether, whether we, we should follow the greater good or you know worry about everyone as a whole or just our individual lives you know because a lot of people their reasons for not 
um, following like CDC guidelines and not following quarantines because they want they still want to enjoy their lives, you know, like they're oh yeah, like my twenties are going away, my my teens are going away, you know, like my right. thirties are going away, like <laughs> doesn't well, seem to end. That's that's funny you mentioned that because you know I. I got to say, in my experience, you know, all my students are um, or almost all of my students are Gen Zs, right? Zoomers is also, I guess, what the uh, is a fun way to call them because they're all Zoomers. Zoomers. I like that. Yeah, I think it's great. I think that's that's a clever name. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a parallel with boomers who are exactly. also <laughs> as well. Um, but I, always, I, I found that Zoomers are way more receptive to, you know, adapting to this type, this type of life. Um, where, you know, boomers or even millennials, you know, they're the ones who are definitely crying out, you're taking away my lifestyle, you're taking away, you know, things from me. Um, and Zoomers, I think, you know, uh, might, might actually have more to complain about. Uh, because like you said, like you are, we are kind of, you know, not necessarily taking away their 20s, because no matter what, you're going to have them, they're just going to be very different. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, the experiences that we they probably would have had if we weren't under uh, the pandemic would be vastly different. I mean, I just think of dating, right? You know, like dating has irreparably changed. Like, I have no idea how, you know, people even make these kinds of connections. You know, I mean, there's online dating was always a thing, but usually it ends up with a physical meetup, right? Yeah. Uh, that's, a, that's a dangerous thing to do, you know? You know yeah, going this, is risk. Yeah. <laughs> This post-COVID dating world is really, really strange. Like, yeah. I'm single, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm honestly scared—not scared, but I just don't know what I'm gonna get myself into once like dating becomes relevant in my life. You know, especially right. with everything that's been going on. Like, something that I could, that uh, I'm thinking about, like just making, like just kind of like trying to connect the dots and making things make more sense with me is that how something that should be more uh, normalized is testing. You know, especially with like partners and stuff, whether it's testing for STDs, like setting the boundaries and having like str like straight communication where everyone's on the same page. Right. And, you know, I, I would definitely advocate that, it, you know, it should be at least it should be a consideration. But I mean, to think of that as almost like uh, like it's involved in dating in a way it's like it's almost like a quality. Right. It's if someone says, OK, by the way, like I'm vaccinated. Like, Ooh, what a big turn on, you know, like, you know, like, like <laughs> yeah. wow, really? Like. <laughs> You have, like you have a, a nice job, a nice car, and pro-vax. Oh my god! You know, like, you know, like that guy's a sexy guy because he's, he's somebody who's not an anti-vaxer, right? So it's you know, it's it's a weird, it's a weird place we're in where you know these boundaries that we're making and these these categories are are about our you know not just our our preferences but also our personal health, you know and. I think, like you said, it's kind of normalizing it. I definitely think that, uh, you know, that's, that's a good thing for our society that we normalize the idea that we should be looking out for ourselves. Uh, and we also should be looking out for other people. Um, you know, since vaccinations came about, you know, I think it has really shaken up how we live our lives and how we see each other um, in some good ways, also in a lot of bad ones. <laughs> um, but you know how that's affected our our personal relationships and especially our romantic relationships. You know, uh, we're we're going to see effects like this resonate for decades. You know, I'm I, I'm thinking of like ten year olds right now who are live who have lived through 2020 and their perception of other people, their perception of how adults are treating each other, you know, their perception of what kind of interactions and friendships and relationships they're going to have. You know, in a couple of years when they start doing this. You know, so 
it's 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 going to be pretty hectic. Uh, I, I imagine that this is this is going to be. I mean, not not to be a, a, a weird cynic about it, but therapy is going to be in business for the next few decades. For oh, sure. totally. I could totally see that. Yeah, like it's crazy. I mean, just like as you said, you know, especially all these younger people, they're missing out on so much social development. You know, like from like from socializing. You know, especially being locked down, that it's one hundred percent causing long term effects that obviously we're not going to know until the long term happens you know these for the next oh, yeah. five ten years and like just thinking about also like kids like babies like you know like these pandemic babies who are being born like they're like clearly they can't socialize or they can't meet a lot of people so the times they do they're going to be very awkward you know that's already happened to me with a family member who's had a baby during this pandemic right, right. where they're very like antisocial and they only want to be with around their family like around their parents you know because that's what that's the only thing they've been used to they haven't right. been exposed to you know, strangers and socializing and people. And this is only the beginning that like you're seeing very small things like this. Like I cannot imagine like the long-term effects you're going to have. Oh, for sure. I'm, I'm, you know, me too. I'm, I'm a new dad. So I just, uh, you know, I just had my kid uh, during the pandemic. Uh, you know, he's almost a year old now and he definitely, you know, is, he's a, he's a family baby, right? Um, he's definitely, he's, he's very family oriented. I mean, it's, it's not like he's going out to work or anything. Uh, but you know, the, the rare times when he sees other babies, um, maybe it's just a personality thing. Maybe he just gets it from me, but he's always mean mugging other babies all the time. He's always just like, what are you, why are you looking at me? Go away. Like he doesn't really want to socialize with them. You know, he doesn't want to make friends and have like a whole thing. Um, you know, it might be too early for that, but also, you know, I, I'm hoping this isn't going to be a trend. Uh, and he just doesn't, doesn't see other people as a threat. Uh, simply because he hasn't been hasn't been socialized as as other babies maybe would be, um, but at the same time, you know, I also think about how it was pre-pandemic, right? How many how many kids didn't see their parents, you know, for most days? You know, how many yeah. uh, how many kids basically are growing up, you know, in their babysitters' houses or you know in daycares and just everybody's working and everybody's, you know, uh, very much not at home. You know, the pandemic has kind of showed us the importance of family, the importance of time spent with each other uh, and, and why, you know, why, why some of us have these connections. You know, um, a lot of people are, are switching jobs. They're realizing that their jobs can be fully online and they don't need to go to the office. They don't need to commute. You know, they're quitting for, for dream careers, for careers that they find their passions in instead of their, uh, you know, just following, you know, their, their wallets. Um, yeah. you know, it's, it's changed a lot of people's perceptions about their lives, you know, um, and there's a lot of bad things, of course, that come with the pandemic, obviously people have lost their jobs. There's been, you know, what, over 700,000 deaths in the U S alone. Uh, it's terrible, terrible stuff, but also at the same time, it's put a lot of things in perspective for a lot of people. Um, and so, you know, not saying the pandemic is a good thing. Of course, I don't want to make it sound like this is great. Uh, but, uh, there are definitely people who have taken this tragedy and have used it to their benefit. Yeah, I mean, it's all in perspective. You know, obviously, there's things that you can highlight that aren't good about this pandemic, and it might be easier to highlight that rather than highlighting like some, like some unintentional pros. You know, like effects that have happened that may have been positive to people. Mm. And I feel like it's always good and always healthy to look at that perspective of it. You know, especially, oh, yeah. especially if like, especially during hard times where there's a lot of sickness and a lot of death and unsure uncertainty, you know, about yeah. everything that there's always some good things that come out of it. And it's, it's a, it's a really strong, uh, 
it's a really strong perspective that I think it's like slowly people are starting to understand more like as time goes by especially as this pandemic is going back because I don't think it's going to end anytime soon you know like oh no yeah <laughs> yeah this is I mean this has truly been a test right of our uh, of, of our, our mental fortitude here, right? Is the test of our, you know, how, how strong are we are as, as a people and as individuals? Um, you know, and it's, it's of course been terrible for so many, but for so many, they, like, you know, like, like we were saying earlier, like it's, they've, they've taken uh, this, this test of their, uh, of their abilities here, their, their test of their, of their mental health. And they've, they've yeah. really turned it into something great. You know, I, I've had plenty of students that have a death in the family uh, that are related to COVID and, you know, it's really encouraged them to focus on what their life means and what they're trying to do, uh, where they felt lost pre-pandemic and now that we're in the middle of it and, you know, basically life is on the line for them. Um, you know, it has motivated them to really search within themselves to find their passions, to find what they want to do because they don't want to waste their time, uh, on, on just being in limbo, you know? Um, and I, I find that incredibly motivating. I find that incredibly encouraging to see, you know, a lot of young people who, you know, if the pandemic didn't happen, may still be lost, right? They, they may still be like, oh, I'm sort of go to school and like, oh, like whatever. There's so many whatevers out there. There's so many people majoring in whatever. Yeah, um, I agree. Yeah. You know, and I, I think, you know, something like this, you know, has has an effect on uh, on a lot of people to really try to do better uh because they can see how how bad things can be um which is not always the best course right we don't always have to do a bad thing in order for good things to happen you don't always have to snap half of humanity out of existence in order for you to be become a better person right like um there are, there are other ways there are other ways you know but Agreed. unfortunately this is, this is the cards we were dealt right this is our own snap situation um, yeah i mean and also like the way you respond to it is based off a of perspective you know but um, yeah, with that being said, I kind of want to segue with, pers- with perspectives, you know, and how everybody has different perspectives. And uh, one thing I want to talk about is uh, my perspectives on sex and sexuality, you know? Sure, for sure. Um, yeah, so if there's one thing I remember from your class is how, um, when you were teaching us about like the history of sex and how there's two, um, there was two islands that had completely polar opposites, perspectives, views, and practices on sex. And, um, and like, and thank, thank you for sending me the, uh, like the PowerPoint. So I was able to read up on it and look at it again. I liked how you, ta- um, you let you, uh, you titled it a tale of two islands, you know? Right, right, right. I, I would hope you would pull from your old notes. I'm sure you, you saved them. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. Right? yeah so, uh, so what we're talking about is the, the tale of two islands. Uh, so uh, I usually talk about this in my class. Actually, you know, I, I wasn't I, I wasn't even talking about this this comparison until uh, you know a few years into teaching. Uh, and the reason why I kind of br- uh, brought it up then is because uh, these these two islands you have Enos Bay and you have Mangaya, right? Enos Bay is an island sort of off the coast of Ireland. Um, it's a very small island has only a, really a, a few families really that live there. Um, and then you also have a comparison with Mangaya, which is uh, another island, uh, which is in, um, I think it's French Poly- Polynesia. If not, it's like Southern Indonesia out there in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, right? Um, relatively the same size, also relatively the same amount of people, but you couldn't have two of the most opposite kinds of people and especially views and sexuality. And, you know, Enos Bay was 
very sexually restrictive. Uh, you know, uh, men and women dressed very, uh, you know, well, modestly, but they would cover up everything, especially women. Um, you know, sex is definitely something you don't talk about. Nudity is just straight up forbidden. Uh, you know, uh, and in, in Mangaya, it was very much the opposite. Sexuality was easily expressed. Everyone talked about sex. You teach sex to young children all the time. And you teach sex techniques to, you know, uh, to uh, preteens, you know, stuff that we would, even in our culture in America, would be like, no, you can't do that. That's too much. Um, and they're so opposite from one another. Uh, it really, it gives you sort of the scope of how we can view sexuality, uh, you know, sort of on the sort of spectrum of perspectives, right? Uh, where you can be extremely restrictive, where like an Enos Bag, they uh, are very restrictive about sex, they're very, very um, careful with the sexual information. Uh, they don't want people to know about sex. Sex is used for procreation only. You're not supposed to look at your husband or your wife when you're doing it. It's such a shameful act, right? And then Mangaya, you know, you got seven-year-olds practicing positioning, you know, like, um, and it's like, it's like, oh, like that's way, that's way free. It's way more sexually open. Um, and, you know, I like to talk about those two things as being kind of the extremes on both ends uh, of sort of our, our cultural understandings of, of sexuality uh, and how everywhere else in the world is somewhere in between these two, these two islands. Uh, you know, yeah. these two islands are, you're, they're on opposite ends of the world and the rest of the world is somewhere in between. You know, when we think of our own culture, we're definitely somewhere in between, uh, if not even in two separate places, right? America is a weird place where we are, we embrace sexuality. We love the stuff, right? We want it in our shows and our movies. We want to see boobs. We want to see butts. America loves it. But then the minute, you know, you start to get, you cross a line, right? Whatever lines there are, there's just sort of weird trip wires in America about sex, uh, we get, we, we pull back hard. We go, Oh no, no, no. You can't talk about that. You can't talk about that in sex. How dare you do that? You know, that's, that's inappropriate. That's obscene. Uh, you know, and we, we are also uh, very restrictive. So we're both of those things. And America is a very interesting culture because we're not only somewhere in the middle, we're also on both ends. Um, I mean, it's, it's because we're like a melting pot. We're a combination of so, of so many different cultures and people, you know, that, all like all of this this whole spectrum of perspective is laid out in our country. Oh yeah, yeah, and they clash. They clash hard. You know? all, all the time. Yeah, the time. you know, and this it's an interesting. You know, it's, America is the, the the great cultural experiment, right? Because how we we throw all a bunch of different cultures together and see what happens. Uh, you got to throw them all in the one country, give them all the freedom they have to yell at each other and see see how they go. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't always turn out the best, uh, but here's where you get all that variation and that the mixture of that, right? Um, is, is a really, really interesting mix. You know, when I think about Enos Big, um, I also think about, um, <laughs> what's that show? There's a show on AMC. It's called like um, Breaking Amish, I think. Have you, have you heard of this show? No. It, it's, <laughs> so it's, it's, it's a reality show, like any other <laughs> reality show. What they do is they, they take all these, these you know, 20-year-olds, 20, 20 20-something-year-olds, uh, and they're from the Amish backcountry in Pennsylvania, uh, typically. And then they, they drop them in the middle of like LA, you know, or they drop them in the middle of New York. Uh, and they're just like, all right, live, go do a modern life. Let's see how that works. You're right. Do all the things, go to strip clubs, go to bars, do all the crazy stuff. Um, and it's a reality show. So a lot of it's pretty contrived. Uh, but you know, it's, which is funny because it sounds kind of ironic. Um, but you know, it's really interesting to see, you know, they live, 
just miles away from these places, right? Um, in the same country, yet you have such polar opposite ideas and such variation in their reactions to, you know, um, uh, the rest of the country and how, how we perceive sex. Um, it's a very interesting look into uh, basically having, you know, we have these little communities that are a lot like Enos Bay. They're a lot, they're very sexually restrictive, yet they're, you know, in a, in a country where it's, it's very much, uh, it's very different from what, the, from what they've, they've grown up uh, from what they've, you know, some may deem has, has been sheltered into. Um, but but yeah, and when it comes to the sex, there's such variation. It's 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 very difficult to say that there's one right way, right? There's never really necessarily a right way. There's just ways. There's there's just so many of them. Yeah, I mean, uh, like when 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 we look at like sexuality and like sexual orientation of, of it, like if you, I mean, I feel like they like as as the generations are passing by, they're becoming more open to like the possibility of uh, not just like binary measurements of sexuality, you know. Oh yeah, because just like everything in life, like sexuality is, is a spectrum, you know. Like it's it's not just like black and white, where like you're gay, you're bi, you're straight. Like um, one thing you mentioned in in like in your in your course was the like the Kinsey the Kinsey scale, you know, the sexuality spectrum. On how like it's it's complex, it's fluid, and not really easily defined. Right. On how like there's like there's scales for you know there's people all the way in the end who are exclusively either heterosexual or um, homosexual and then it slowly they slowly use your way to incidentally like homosexual behavior then more than incidentally homosexual but to there's an equal amount of homosexual and heterosexual behavior you know mm-hmm. and it's it's such an interesting like concept to uh, bring up especially like once you once you start talking to people who are more open about it because like I personally like identify as, as heterosexual, you know, like I, I know I like women and stuff. I am never really considered myself sexually attracted to men. However, since I was younger, I've always noticed that like I, I could always acknowledge and recognize whenever some like there was a man who was handsome or beautiful, mm. you know, and um, I remember my first year in high school, I mean, in college, my first year in college, like I acknowledged that I, I acknowledge my acknowledgement that like I see that there's some men who are like who are handsome, you know, mm. And at one point, I almost, at one point, I questioned my sexuality because of that specific, because of that. Because I, because I, 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 I recognize people's beauty, I thought that I might have been sexually attracted to them. But then I realized, like, in time and in, in thought and questioning, never in practice, but in just in time and question, I realized that, like, I was not sexually attracted to men. I just, right. I just acknowledge that they're beautiful, you know, like, there's right. some men that are, are like, like, straight up beautiful, like, gorgeous. And now that I've gotten comfortable with myself, I can say that confidently without being scared of being scrutinized, you know? Right, right, right. And I you think know, that's something that people need to like practice more. Yeah, I think it's really funny that you mentioned that because it really is not, you know, I think a lot of people still have like, still have hangups about that, right? If you if you were to say like, oh, look, look at that guy, that guy's a, that's a beautiful man right there. You know, there are definitely a number of men in this country who would be like, what are you talking about? I, I don't see that. You know, no, I don't, I have no, I don't ever look at men that way. And they get really, they get kind of weirded out about sort of talking about men uh, and talking about other attractive men, right? Or what they recognize would be attractive because they feel that once you say that that man is attractive, that means that you are a full-blown homosexual person and you're gonna go and have sexual yeah. intercourse with that person which is not the same thing at all uh you know and i think i find it ridiculous that when, when 
you know, would think that just because you say someone's attractive, that now, now all of a sudden you're, you're a Friday night at the gay bar, you know, like you're, that's, you go all the way, you know? Yeah. Thing. It's either one way or the other. Like, yeah, right. No, it's I'm... a sort of binary way of looking at this. And we've, we have changed so much really just in the past few decades. Um, you know, it's funny because you mentioned the, the Kinsey scale. So the Kinsey scale is from Alfred Kinsey. This we're talking way back. We're talking the fifties. Um, you know, he had recognized this spectrum of sexual behavior. Um, and he, even he didn't recognize it as something that was binary. He recognized it as something that was kind of on a spectrum, but he, he kind of put it on to like six or seven different categories, zero being exclusively heterosexual, you know, six or seven being exclusively homosexual. And then you got a bunch of variations in between. Um, you know, we, we rec- he recognized this sort of spectrum long, long time ago. Some would say his spectrum is actually very restrictive, even uh, even on those seven sort of scales. Really? Um, oh yeah. Now, oh, now we definitely yeah. because also he doesn't account for pansexuality. He doesn't account for uh, a lot of different things. But this is one of the first descriptions of uh, you know sexuality being a variation, right? Uh, and people were so upset about this. They're very. Uh, this was something that was overwhelming to the American populace. Um, you know, and it's 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 kind of surprising that even, even now people still have, have this issue, but um, at the same time, you know, we, we have, have come so far, I think, especially with this generation, with, with generation Z generation, you know, zoomers, um, you know, if someone were to say I'm pansexual or I'm bisexual, you know, most people would just kind of go, oh, okay. You know, and just, it's not something that bothers them. It's not something that they're going to think about the rest of their day. You know, if you you were to tell someone this, you know, even 20 years ago, you know, like, oh, I'm bisexual, bisexual. So what you like having multiple partners What you can't decide. Right. And they, they make a thing of it and they they get very judgmental very quickly. Um, But now we're just kind of like, all right, move on. Um, You know, it's, it's, you know, I, I made a point uh, when I was doing that class also to never talk about my own sexuality, um, never talk about my own sexual orientation. And it wasn't because I was trying to hide my sexual orientation or, you know, I was ashamed of my sexual orientation or that I felt like I couldn't be open about it. But I liked to see the students struggle with it. <laughs> and I know that sounds bad, uh, but, you know, most people, I would say, for the most part, didn't. But for the most part, most people, they're just like, oh, okay, whatever. Like, his, his, my professor's sexuality doesn't matter to me, you know, because I'm just learning from him. I'm not asking him out. So I'm just, gonna be, I'm just learning the material here. I don't need to know his sexual orientation. But for some people, they had a hard time not knowing something about me that was somehow detrimental to them. I had a student one time come to my office and, and demand that I tell him my sexual orientation. Really? Um, and he, well, he was adamant about it. He, he came in, he's like, all right, I know you mentioned this stuff about, about sexuality and about being gay and stuff, but I just gotta know, man, like, come on, are you, are you gay? And I was like, why, why does this matter? You know, why, why, why does me being gay or straight or bi or anything, why does it matter to you? He's like, well, I just, I gotta know, I gotta know. I'm like, is it, is it gonna bother you to know that you could be being taught by a gay man? Or a straight man? Is it something that's gonna? Is it something that's gonna impede in your learning somehow? He's like, well, I mean, I just, I think, you know, your, your students need to know. Your students, your like, your, your students have a right to know. But like, you, first of all, you don't. You don't have yeah, a right. That's to privacy know. right there. Like, oh. if it's not related to school, if it's not related to work, yeah. 
Well, like, first of all, you're wrong. There's no such thing as <laughs> rights to know my sexual orientation. That's super yeah. weird. Um, and I just, I, he, you know, that the end of that conversation, he he didn't get what he wanted. Uh, and he was he was so he was so upset that I couldn't tell him, uh, or that I wouldn't tell him. I mean, um, yeah. Okay. It, it's, it was funny to see that, uh, but also it was also kind of concerning just because you know this is he's a young person, he's a zoomer, I guess. Uh, but it 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 really it was so necessary for him to know my sexual orientation uh, for whatever reason you know I, I'm not making judgments on him I don't know if whether or not he was he was bothered by it or he just you know he just need, needs to know information about people um, but he seemed quite upset at the idea when I when I mentioned that you know that I could be gay uh, he was kind of upset with that notion uh, he felt like maybe my information was biased or you know maybe. You know, maybe he maybe he prefers that I'm gay. That way, it feels like I, I've, I'm coming from an authentic perspective. I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm I didn't weigh I weighed a lot of options there, but it doesn't matter. He's not going to find out. You know, yeah. so, um, but it was it was really interesting to me that how you can still have these these kinds of uh, these problems in perception. You can you still have these problems of you know seeing sexuality as a spectrum, seeing sexuality as sort of this weird binary. Um, yeah. You know, um, it really it really tells me that you know this generation though has come so far, it's not something that's completely normalized. Right? Oh yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a it's a really slow process. It's a really oh, yeah. slow process. And, you know? and like I said, we made so much progress in the past like three decades. You know, uh, you know to think that you know someone were to say like, oh, I'm gay, and someone would be bothered by that, and for all all of us to be like, you shouldn't be bothered. You know, cancel him. You know, <laughs> um, that you know. I think we're still in that culture shock. We're still in that clash. You know, we're still in the clash of, of generations. We're still in the clash of perspectives. Um, yeah. You know, America is where that battleground is always is always at. Um, yeah, if, if there's something that I remember about your class is that is how you made it very open ended with your with your sexual orientation. Um, <laughs> I remember you always referred to your partner as they them. You know. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. and and I'm I'm not even joking with you. That's something that that stayed with me and stuck with me because i totally agree with you like why does it matter like who i'm into why does it matter like at all you know if like in, in reality like, it doesn't affect me so ever since that ever since your class garrick like i have practiced a lot on i, I when you think about it you're kind of ahead of the curve with with the whole pronoun thing yeah. like, because, because of you like i got really used to calling people they them because sometimes i didn't know and I didn't want to assume. And this, and whenever I'll mention like my previous partners, I would always mention them as they, them. I never mention it as like, as she, her, you know? Right, right. Because it was never like a big difference. But also like, dude, um, just, just me in general, like the way I was raised with, especially with my sisters, both of my sisters are very, um, I, I have an older and a younger sister. Mm-hmm. I've been around them my whole life. I've been exposed to women my whole life. I've been around my mom and my sisters more than my dad, you know? So that influence had has led me to become more open with my sexuality more open with just being able to talk about sex and talk about all this stuff you know mm-hmm. where like in reality like i also see myself um expressing feminist qualities which is not which is not weird you know as a human but exactly. yeah which is not weird as a human you know but um sometimes there's actually one time about two years ago i had a coworker who genuinely thought I was bisexual because of how like open I was. And I was just very friendly and like, I just didn't care. Like, you know, like I would always, like he, this guy was gay. Um, I would always offer him rides home because he didn't, he didn't drive. 
we got up at the same time and he didn't live that far from me so I'm like yeah like I'll offer you right home like we always talk we hung out and then uh one day he just asked me if I was like if I, if, if I was and I'm like no like I'm not like I'm sorry you know like I'm like I don't know I don't know what your what your intentions are but yeah like I like how that news is always disappointing <laughs> for other people <laughs> yeah sorry I have to tell you about my, this is my sexual orientation <laughs> but yeah like uh like just kind of um i feel i feel directly correlates into like sexual education and what we are taught from both like our families and like you know social circles but like also in education like in our in, in academia you know something that blew my mind in your class was how not every state is required to like edu- like to teach education and but that wasn't even the mind-blowing thing what, what blew my mind is how you 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 told me you showed me how there were states where sex and HIV education it provided don't have to be medically accurate. Can you elaborate on that? Like, cause that it still blows my mind today. Right. Yeah. So, you know, it's a lot of people think that sex ed is something that we do, you know, in elementary and middle school and high school and stuff. Uh, but it's not universal among the States. Uh, some States uh, it's required. Some States it's not at all. And even in some States where it is required, uh, some of those States don't have to give you correct information. Um, which is, it sounds like that shouldn't be legal, but America is a fun place where you have lots of weird legal and illegal things you can do. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and in some of these states, you can teach medically inaccurate sexual education. Even if that state requires sex ed, uh, you can have the right sex ed, or you can have the wrong sex ed, and no one will be able to tell you differently. Um, which is why also why you have such a range of perception, right? Why you have such a, a mixture of people's understanding about sexuality is because so many people are either uneducated or they're miseducated uh, on sexuality in general, especially at an early age. Um, and, you know, interestingly, you know, we can learn from Mangaya, right, going back to the, to the islands, uh, that what we learn in school, what we learn in our school age, you know, in, you know, elementary school through high school, that becomes the bedrock of what we understand in our adult life, yeah. right? So, you know, you know, what, what we teach our kids about sexuality, uh, you know, typically becomes what they understand and what they practice when they're adults. Uh, and we have a lot of problems with that, right? We have a lot, we have a lot of issues with how we do that. Yeah, I agree. I definitely feel like the sex education in the, in this state, and I could, I could probably speak for the entire country can improve so much, you know, cause I remember when I was in high school and I was in middle school, I took these sex ed classes mm-hmm. and, the things that I remember learning from that class were like the physiology behind sex, not just that, but also like STDs, you know, but I was never taught like the, the, like the gender fluidity or like the different sexual, sexual orientations, you know, or uh, even like the concept of like consent and rape, which is directly related to sex and sex education, you know, all these things I feel are so important for people to know, especially in the younger age, because you know, if you learn this at a young age, you're exposed to this information more, which leads to like more questions, you know, and I feel questioning is always really healthy. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it's, it's funny, though, because that very point is the, the reason why people don't let their kids be sex educated <laughs> to, to not question. They, they, that's not the question. They think that if they get more information, that that's going to encourage them to do more things. Uh, they're they're going to go out and have more sex because now they learned about what it is. Right. Um, and it's funny, it, it's kind of ironic because the fear of that is because of their miseducation about what that means. So it just kind of becomes kind of this, this, this never ending cycle, right. Of miseducation. 
Um, you know, the, the only reason why they, a lot of parents think that is because they're probably miseducated about sex education. Uh, and it's that when the truth is, is that when kids learn about sex and safe sex and pregnancy and gender and sexuality and all the range that is in human sexualities, um, they are typically more careful. <laughs> they, are, they are typically much more understanding of each other. They're much more understanding of other people. Uh, they're a little less judgmental. Um, and they overall have a much better approach to sexuality in their interactions with other people and also in their personal sexual lives. They're usually more sexually safe. They're much more aware about their sexual health and pregnancy um, because they have this information. And it's those that don't get this information that they find themselves in situations where you know, pregnancy or sexuality or hate crime or is, is, a, is a thing, it's a problem in their lives, you know? So it's very important that we get not just sex educated, but correctly sex educated. Now, California is one of those states where, you know, uh, they have a pretty good idea of what sex, sex education is. Uh, California voters are really good at understanding the importance of sex education. But here's, here's where I think is a problem. It's a cultural issue. You have a lot of people, even in California, that are teaching, you know, elementary school, middle school, high school, um, and they themselves have these sort of hangups about sexuality. And sex education kind of comes down to being a worksheet. It's just kind of check these boxes, you know, here's all the right answers. Just say you got educated and then move on. Okay. And it's yeah. it's kind of a thing that's kind of batted off. It's kind of like, ah, whatever, just do it because I don't want to talk about it. It makes me feel uncomfortable. A lot of teachers feel this way. A lot of professors feel this way. Um, you know, so when I, when I talk human sexualities, I made a point to dive in, try my best to do as much as I can in what little time I can possible to kind of give you this, this broad idea of what sexuality is and, and, and kind of fill in the blanks of what most likely we've missed uh, in, our, in our education. I've had many students tell me, you know, I, I had sex ed, you know, I, I had sex ed in high school and it was nothing like this, right? It was just a bunch of old 1970s videos about sperm getting to an egg. And that's pretty much it, right? Um, and you know, we, uh, we, we talk about the idea of sex education being important in our country and in the state. Uh, yet, you know, the, I feel like there's such a, a minimal amount of interaction with this topic. Uh, and it's a lot of it is because culturally, I think we... We, we feel like we've done our job with sex education and we just kind of put it in the corner and be like, there it is. Kids, they're going to learn and it's up to them after that. Uh, I won't touch it. Ewe, gross sex stuff. I don't want to touch it. Um, and, you know, they get, I think our culture gets really weird about it. Uh, and we're also, again, we're, we're taught by the earlier generation um, and our, our understanding of sexuality has changed so much. You know, you still have boomers teaching you 1950s sex ed, you know, uh, you know, they could be, they could be out there telling you if you masturbate, you're going to get hairy palms or whatever. Um, we're still reeling from this, this type of mis and disinformation, um, that we're, we're just, we're still struggling with that misinformation there. Um, yeah. I mean, it's because socially it's such an awkward thing because like, that's something we don't talk about. However, like sex is 100% like in everybody's life, you know? Oh yeah. Like, it's something that everybody goes through, something that everybody experiences. And it's just so strange how there's not really much of a reference point other than personal experience because of the lack of education that we have. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, and like, it's yeah. such a natural thing. Like, like, again, it's one of the one of the most natural things you can have. It's, just, it's a requirement that your body uh, has these sensations, right? It's just as much as sleeping or eating or drinking. 
And, you know, every day we feel thirsty, sleepy, hungry, horny. You know what I mean? Like, that's one of the things we feel. That's one yeah. of the urges, one of the natural things that our body does. And yet, you know, we can talk about drinking and eating and sleeping all day, but you can't talk about sex. You can't talk about that feeling of being horny. Uh, that's that's one that one urge and natural sensation that you have to be very hush hush about. Um, and it's it's a, it's an odd place to be in where that's it's a thing that we all experience. Yet everybody knows we're not supposed to say anything, right? We're not supposed to talk about this. It's not it's not decent conversation. Um, you know, and it's it's I, I understand to the extent that it's it's a personal thing, of course. You know, it's it's definitely something that's very personal. But you know. Is your preference about chocolate cake, is that also pretty personal? You know, like what's, what's the difference there? You know, what's, it, it, that's also something I, I don't want people to know that I like German chocolate cake. What does that, what does that mean about me? I'm really into sweets. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, um, you know, people say the same thing, like, oh, you brought up sex in a, you know, in a impersonal way. You brought up sex in an academic way. How dare you? You know, what does that mean about you? Um, and the study of sex, that affects even the studying of sex in general. Like I talked about how, in a, in a human sex world, I talk about how being in this profession is kind of difficult uh, because number one, you know, when I talk about my class, I'm a man, just by the way. Uh, and when I present myself as a man, it's weird for a, a grown man to be talking openly about sex, you know, in front of a class of people, because usually this job is done by a middle-aged white woman. Um, yeah. You, have a, you know, <laughs> uh, a, an adult brown man you know, saying the words penis and vagina at you, you know, every Tuesday and Thursday, um, it's, it's awkward for people. It's weird. It's not in the right context. Right. Um, yeah. but again, we have to self-examine. Why is that weird? Why is, why is it weird for have that conversation? Why is it weird that when you're in line at Starbucks and somebody says, Oh man, I had sex last night. It was really good. Why is that weird for you? You know, why, why was that an odd thing to say out loud? You know, we have to really examine our own, our own biases, our own upbringing and, and our own hangups. Uh, about why this very natural thing is is something that's so uncomfortable for us. Yeah, well, I mean, it's definitely something that's slowly, like, becoming more normal, like, less weird, you know, especially, like, I see a lot of people at my age, you know, like, these um, people who are, like, in their 20s, you know, like, be more open to talk about sex, not just in person, but also, like, on social medias, you know? Mm, oh, yeah. And, like, I have a few friends, too, who, like, we practice this openness of talking about sex, you know? And, um like one of us like like two of us are straight one's i'm a man the other person's a woman then we have a then one of us is gay it's the three of us and we practice this a lot where we always talk about like not always but we do like the conversation comes up um not too surprisingly about like just sex you know like uh like and just different aspects of sex like i've even gone to like uh sex stores with them and we've looked at toys um we've gotten educated on on the and all these different things which that itself is it's a, it's a whole new world like it's so crazy how oh yeah they're, how, they're like small museums they're really good places to learn a lot of things they <laughs> are yeah 100 it's so interesting it's so cool and it's, it's just like it's mind-blowing how like you know there's a whole world out there where like people can like literally like, you literally don't like you you're not judged you know off of off of what you're into who knows you know and you can just keep living your life that way but yeah it just uh, it's um something something about something about sex that uh i'm that i'm I'm really enjoying right now is kind of how uh, social media it's it's kind of using as an outlet you know Mm -hmm. for more education uh the platform there's platforms that are being created specifically for sex and to kind of help 
the progress of that. Um, I know a, I know a, a, an account. It goes by the name of Love Bites. I believe it's L-U-V dot B-I-T-E-S, Love Bites. And it's ran by a professor in Cal State Fullerton. This professor is a communication professor, but their focus is sexual communication. So they teach like a sexual communication class. They run this account. They literally like, they have thousands of followers on this account. And it's, it's amazing. Like it's the whole purpose of it is sex on sexual education, talking about different forms of, they're talking about different types of sex. Like that's like the, the intercourse of sex itself and like the surrounding aspects of it from foreplay to oral to all these like different stimulants, like all played uh, by a role into the experience of sex. And it's just so interesting being able to read about this and look at pictures and like, and like see, see this online and people like learn and like it, you know? Right. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I mean, that's, that's another thing too, that this, this generation, I think has a lot more of that accessibility, right? You know, they, they can do things like that where, you know, generations before, like, what are you going to do? Put an ad in the newspaper? You know, yeah. Like, <laughs> it wouldn't work. You know I mean? You can't, you can't really, this is, you know, we have an opportunity here, you know, with, with social media, uh, to, to use it as a force for education, right? To use it as a, a, an actual place that can spread the, the idea uh, of education in this idea about sex, especially about sex, because that's something that people will click. Um, but, you know, we have, we have an opportunity here where we can use this technology to our benefit. Um, and especially since the pandemic, you know, sex has been a weird thing since the pandemic. Um, I mean, just look at the Pornhub numbers. I mean, they probably just skyrocketed. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, and also, I, yeah, like the whole culture of like one night stands probably changed dramatically too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sure. You know, I'm, I'm not in the dating world right now. Um, so I've been experiencing it firsthand. But I mean, online dating was already, you know, uh, becoming more and more the norm uh, where people are already putting a lot of distance between them and other people, uh, you know, to sort of sort of vet them before they really really date them yeah uh, and then now with the pandemic you know that adds even more distance to that online relationship because not only is it you know do i not know this person i also don't know this person if this person is going to be safe right um so there's there's a lot of a lot of barriers a lot of new challenges for the dating world um but you know of course with that comes you know, the, the availability of social media and the availability of being able to talk about this more openly at home, at a distance, right? Where maybe people feel more comfortable. Um, and that's, that's, that's a whole other, you know, uh, aspect, you know, maybe a good thing, maybe a bad thing about, you know, the way we, the way the world is right now is, you know, communication about this stuff has become very different, right? Um, you know, we could meet with our friends and talk about it, you know, just as you and your friends are talking about how you can actually meet with your close friends and talk about it. A lot of people don't have close friends like that, right? Uh, and back then, you know, pre-pandemic, maybe you can go online and join a chat room or something, you know, maybe you can, you can look it up, you know? Like on Reddit, probably. Yeah, you, most likely, right? On, you're going to go on Reddit and you're going to find some strange sex forum where someone's talking about some weird story. You know, not be your your most of your exposure, or you just go on Pornhub, and that's all your education, right? Which is not an education. It is definitely not one. Yeah. Uh, but you know, but now you know we have an opportunity here to use, you know, um, all, all the different forms of social media in order to 
to help to help other people understand the importance of this uh, of what sex is and, and how how to really approach it, especially in the modern age, uh, because back then this information was so difficult to come by. You know, um, you know, even even when I was teaching human sexualities, you know, I I'd always think about how many people didn't take my class. You know, how many people just avoid that class? How many people who went yeah. through were taking human sexuality, and how the only the only such education they have, if they even got it was from high school and middle school and elementary school, right? And it's, it kind of boggles your mind to think about how many people are walking around, you know, there's like, I bet bisexuals are really like this. And they have no idea, you know, they have no idea what it is or what it means. You know, they have to make it up on their own. Uh, you know, and now, you know, I think we have, we, we really truly uh, need to think about how we can use this technology to benefit other people, uh, you know, and, and how we can, how we can get this information uh, to be something that's normal, to be something that, that something that's uh, a, a part of our lives and not just something that we're, you know, kind of uh, trying to sneak around, you know. So yeah, it's, it's it's interesting where we are about this. <laughs> um, when it came to teaching your class, uh, something we talked about like briefly before we started recording, but um, what were some of the more popular topics that people like you noticed people really got into whenever you were teaching your class? Ooh. You know, one of the most, I would, I would say probably the most popular topic in human sexuality um, was about strange sex, right? Uh, the weird stuff, paraphilias and different kinds of sexual preferences, different kinds of, um, you know, uh, sort of abnormal, quote, abnormal forms of sex uh, and why, why we prefer them, you know, how far do they go? How dangerous can they be? How hurtful can they be? How non-hurtful can they be? A lot of people have generated a lot of interest in this. And honestly, um, I kind of suspect that, you know, there are a lot of people out there that have uh, a lot of different kinds of fantasies and different kinds of preferences for sex, but definitely feel like they can't talk about it. Definitely feel like they'd be there. They're, they, they would be shunned for talking about it. So when I, when I talk about that in class, um, I, I almost always have a number of people who are very interested in not only a particular kind of preference in sex, but also about the public perception and, uh, you know, the openness that people can have about it. Um, yeah. You know, there, there, are, there are a few students who have, who have openly just talked about it, but even then, you know, they're kind of like, oh, I should only talk about it in private or I don't want to like imply say, my friend is like really likes balloons. Right. They'll say something like that, um, you know, where they, they don't yeah. want to express themselves in that way. Uh, and I talk about a lot of these paraphilias and a lot about uh, a lot of these, uh, you know, sort of, um, you know, fringe sexual preferences as the, as the really, really small. Uh, but this really makes me really consider the numbers. I'm just like, man, just from looking at the students, like this may be more of this than, than I thought, you know, there's going to be more people who are into furries than I really, uh, that I'm reporting here. You know, it's reported, you know, 1%, but maybe. Only, but like, this only means that 1% like actually acknowledged and agreed to share. That's, exactly. That's the 1% of people who tick a box on a survey who said, yeah, I'm into that. Right. And believe it or not, people, you know, that that's a big statement to take about, even though it's anonymous, to take that box is to, you know, is to put that on the line, you know, is to put that in. It's to make that a reality for you. And sometimes exactly. people don't want to face that either. Oh, exactly. Exactly. You know, people don't think that that's a big thing, but people really, you know, uh, when it comes to taking surveys in general, you know, they're, uh, they're surprisingly honest. Uh, and also they're surprisingly reserved about the types of information just because it's in front of them. 
And the fact that you're ticking that box makes it not again, like you said, real for you. You know, even though you're the only one that sees it, you're like, oh, I just ticked that box. You know, I took that box to myself. Yeah. You know, so to say to check the, the I like furries box, you know, that's that's a lot. So furries, by the way, is uh, for, for sorry, I keep saying the word furries. Uh, anthropomorphic uh, animal characters. So you know, like bunny people and fox people, um, usually animated. Uh, usually in suit, um, depending on how it is. But a lot of people prefer that type of thing. They, they think that stuff is cool. They like it. Uh, they're sexually attracted to it. Uh, and I think people don't talk about it as much. Um, but, you know, there's there's all kinds of variations with that. And I think a lot of people are attracted to the idea of what it'd be like to be attracted to that type of thing. You know, whether it's furries and animals or, you know, um, you know feet uh, is a thing that is becoming a lot more normal, by the way. Yeah, um, people. That feet is like a normal thing. It's just like, oh yeah, I like feet. I'm into that. It was like, oh okay. Yeah, um, I mean the, the whole like, I mean like that's kind of all like under uh, the umbrella of like sexual fantasies. I would say. Like, what do you think? Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. And, and sexual fantasies can can encompass also you know kind of your vanilla sex, right? Where it's just like person on person sex. Yeah, uh, but some people have you know a lot of these uh, um, you know more fringe ideas about sex that they they prefer uh and they find to be their their primary source for sexual satisfaction um and you know i think i think people i think you also have kind of this almost kind of sideshow effect where when i'm presenting it you know people are kind of looking at it like oh look at the weird things that people are into how strange and odd and how terrible right um you know it's almost like the shock and awe part of it uh, but you know, I, again, like even in that in that class, I emphasize what is weird to you is only weird because of your time and place, right? right like, like your point of reference, you know, like it's exactly subjective perspective. You know, uh, the example you know I always give is oral sex. You know, blowjobs would be really weird, you know, about 150 years ago, to talk about that as a normal part of sex. That's odd. It's like what are you trying to eat that person? What are you doing? You know, why you why you why are you chowing down on that dude? Um, you know, but but now yeah. it's like, well, that's normal. That's a usual thing. That's something that we do all the time. You know, it's a it's a blow job, right? As if like that's like a regular thing. You know, I'm I'm telling you, in like 20, 50 years, a foot job is gonna be kind of a normal thing. You know, people people aren't gonna be that shocked by that thing. Uh, but you know, just like with everything else, sexuality changes. Our preferences change, our cultural acceptance of those preferences change, you know, and as long as they're not hurting anybody, um, you know, typically it, it becomes a normal thing. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, well, um, wh- when it comes to uh, classes, like you're not teaching human sexuality class anymore, huh? No, it's been, actually, it's been a few years. Uh, you know, I have, uh, I've kind of uh, moved on to other things uh, as much as I would love to go back to teach human, se- human sexualities. Uh, I teach at uh, CSU Stanislaus now uh, instead of Vesto Junior College. I, I still technically work with us at your college, but since the pandemic hit, it's been a really difficult time with scheduling. So now yeah. I work exclusively for CSU Stanislaus. Uh, and I work now at the Stockton Center of CSU Stan, uh, which is sort of a, uh, like a, a satellite campus that's in Stockton. Um, and the Stockton campus is a very particular place uh, because getting a college education in general uh, is very difficult in, in that area of the Central Valley. Um, so there's one thing about Stockton is that they have a hard time having students go from high school and then get to college 
and then also bring that education back. <laughs> uh, a lot of times when people who, are, people who are from Stockton, they leave Stockton and then they just never come back because they, that, that, that education goes to Palo Alto, it goes to Sacramento, San Francisco, LA. Yeah. Um, and so the CSU stand is trying to help uh, keep people in Stockton in the sense that they get educated in Stockton, they get their degrees in Stockton and hopefully, you know, kind of feed that back into the community. Um, and now, you know, I don't, I don't teach so much of human sexualities, but trust me, my, my sexuality specialization bleeds into every class. Uh, so I teach a range of stuff from physiological psych to social psych to counseling theory, uh, abnormal psych, uh, you know, experimental stuff. I do lots of different things there. You know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's been a fun ride, really. Stockton, hopefully, has benefited a lot from the concentration uh, that, that CSU standards really put into it. Yeah, I mean... Uh, that's, that's really cool that you're able to integrate all these different topics like together, you know, mesh them all together. Because I mean, they are all like connected, especially when it comes to sex. Like everything kind of is indirectly or directly connected to it, one way or another. Exactly. I mean, that's yeah. I mean, uh, as much as America would like to not have it, right? But uh, it always, you know, it, it kind of comes back to sex over time, just as everything kind of comes back to food, as everything kind of comes back to drink, everything comes back to sleep. Uh, it's it's a natural thing that sex. Uh, well, sex is a natural thing, and it's something that we should naturally be okay with, right? It should be something, hopefully, in the future that we're much more comfortable with, given that it's it's a part of our daily lives. It's a part of it's part of everything that we do. Uh, it's part partly the goal and the motivation at the same time for many of us, right? So it's you know, sexuality is is such an important thing in our lives. You know, it's something that's I would say just as inescapable as the major in psychology. Uh, sexuality is, is something that everybody is involved with, no matter how you look at it. I agree. Yeah. And uh, to be honest, like you personally have changed my, 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 my life when it comes to the perspective of sex, you know, so <laughs> I gotta in, a good way. <laughs> uh, in a, in a, yeah, in a very good way, like in, in a way where obviously it's left long lasting uh, effects, good effects, positive effects, because it just left me to be more open, you know, not as reserved. And I feel that's really good when it comes to progress, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully I've had that effect on other people, but you know, you're definitely uh, one of the ones that have taken the information and you have had it do something for you, right? You've, you've taken that meaning from it and that I would hopefully encourage many students to do so. So I'm really glad to see that. Yeah. I mean, hopefully whoever listens to this too can get something from it, you know, because this is something that, uh, you know, I feel it needs to be talked more and uh, I want to, I want to thank you for coming on here and talking about this. This is definitely something I'm really happy that we're, we're finally able to talk about, something I've been wanting to talk about for such a long time, you know, and I'm glad I have someone with your credibility and your knowledge to help, help me share this information. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. I mean, I, mean, <laughs> I, I like to think that there's probably, I'm sure there's more credible people than me, <laughs> but, but yeah, but, you know, I, I think that you know, hopefully other people out there, if you're listening, you know, uh, of course, don't, don't find this one, this one episode to be the only source you know, stretch it out, uh, check out other, you know, human sexualities classes in your area and see what they have to offer. There's lots of different ways to look at this stuff. Of course, there's lots of different sources besides going to school. You can also check it out online. This information is free if you just look hard enough. So, so definitely uh, it's, it's great to, great to be on the show. And, and hopefully, you know, we can have more conversations about this because it's a large topic. Oh my God, definitely. I could definitely see us having multiple, uh, more like like coming back to not just talking about like sex but talking about other things that we've like me and you we've had so many conversations that i felt could have easily been recordable would have been amazing 
And um, don't even get me all nerding out now. I'm gonna start talking about nerd stuff. It, it, that's a whole different episode. Yeah, a whole another episode. A whole another episode, Gary. We got this. Don't worry. Don't worry. But yeah, um, with those of you who are still listening, thank you very much. I appreciate you. Um, if you haven't done yet, you can follow me on social media at Zenith underscore podcast. That's you can, that's where you can keep up with all the episodes and all the news that's been going on. Hopefully, um, this isn't gonna be the last time I'm gonna sit down with you, Garrick. And uh, thank you again. I appreciate you so much for uh, being able to get get on and help me with this platform and just expand more information and more uh, knowledge on sex. Awesome, awesome. Thank you for having me. Thank you. All right. And uh, until next time, everybody, um, you already know where to find me at, Zenith. Thank you.